Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, September 16th, 2018, on the basis of Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. If you've ever worried that perhaps you are the world's worst parent, don't. Because that title has sort of officially been taken. Back in late March of 2008, there was a woman named Lenore Scanese who decided to let her son ride the New York City subway system all alone. She dropped him off a few miles from their house to see if he could successfully find his way back. She didn't give him a cell phone. She didn't follow safely at a distance just to make sure he was okay. She simply gave him a map a subway pass, a few extra bucks just in case, and then he was all alone. And oh, by the way, when Lenore Scanese ran this experiment, her son was just nine years old. It probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to hear that there was a little bit of a response to that experiment she ran. Pretty soon it was being discussed on national news and talked about on daytime talk shows, somewhere along the line, someone gave her that title, World's Worst Mom. But what's interesting for our purposes this morning is not so much the reaction to what she did, but the reaction to that reaction. You see, in the years that have followed, Lenore Scanese has become something of a hero. As more and more people, more and more experts, in fact, begin to think that we are overprotecting our children. That what has been called safetyism, which is the pursuit of absolute protection, both physically and emotionally, at all times for our kids, that safetyism is actually quite dangerous. That kids having grown up with every minute of their lives carefully scheduled and every event carefully supervised to make sure that no one gets hurt, then they head off to college, they head off to their first job, they head out into the real world, and not only do they have absolutely no ability to face any sort of adversity or trial, but the thought of doing so absolutely terrifies them. Turns out people are beginning to think that our world could use a few more world's worst moms, that maybe all of this safety that we are trying to provide for our children is actually quite dangerous. I'll leave it to the experts to figure out to what degree that is in fact the case, but I do know that when it comes to our spiritual lives, perhaps nothing is quite as, is quite as dangerous as safety. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about this spiritual battle that's going on all around us, a battle being fought over our souls. And I'm not sure anything makes the devil happier than when we practice a certain spiritual form of, of safetyism. That we take every single danger, every single problem that we might possibly face, and, and we reduce it, we minimize it, we make it smaller. We consider that it's all just real-life problems that have real-world solutions, things that we can figure out, things that we can wrap our minds around, and things that ultimately we can eliminate from our lives. But the reality is that all of that safety is perhaps putting us in even greater danger. And that's in part what Paul wants to point, us, point out to us this morning. He wants to alert us. He wants to give us a wake-up call of sorts. And he wants to for a very specific reason. Because, you see, both sides of that coin are true. If 
thinking that we are safer is actually putting us in great danger, then we're going to see that the opposite is also true. That the more we're in danger, the safer we actually are. It shouldn't surprise us to hear Paul talking about danger in these verses. When Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, he was actually sitting in prison in Rome, facing the very real possibility that his life might soon be taken away. Why? Well, you could say it's because the Jewish religious leaders got all upset about the things that Paul was saying, and so as a result, they, they caused a great disturbance, a bunch of civil unrest in the city of Jerusalem. You could say it's because the Gentile, the, the non-Jewish political leaders, decided to put Paul in prison in order to keep the peace. In fact, far more than being concerned about the fact that justice would be served, they decided to keep Paul in prison for a long, long time because they were most concerned simply about keeping their jobs. In the meantime, Paul sort of appealed his way up the chain of command until finally he was shipped off to Rome to stand trial before Caesar himself. So Paul is writing these words as someone who has been falsely imprisoned. He is writing them to Christians who no doubt are wondering whether that very same thing is going to start happening more often in the Roman world, including perhaps to themselves. It's no surprise to hear Paul talk about danger. But what is surprising is what specifically he says. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle, Paul says, the danger that we face is not from those Jewish religious leaders. It's not from those Gentile political leaders. Our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil. Our struggle is against the devil and against his army of evil angels. That's the very real danger that we face that surrounds us at all times. Now, it might be easy for us to sort of dismiss Paul's words as mere superstition coming from a man who doesn't understand the way the universe works quite as well as we do. When you don't understand how the universe works, it's only natural that you look for spiritual, supernatural explanations for each and everything. But once you understand the basic laws of nature, then you don't need to resort to such things. In reality, the Bible's explanation and the Bible's view for why things happen the way that they do is actually quite balanced. Just because Paul calls our attention to the spiritual forces that are at work in our world doesn't mean he's completely discounting the natural forces that are at work in our world. He's simply saying that they are working together. That behind every danger that we can see, observe, explain, and understand, there is an even greater danger that we can't. In fact, I heard one Christian author describe it this way. He said, just like you can lift up the lid of a piano. And if you hum on a single pitch, the string that is lined up with that pitch is going to start vibrating. It's going to start moving in concert with the sound that you produce. So also, when we see what goes on in our world, there are very natural strings that are attached to all of it. But let's not forget for a second that there is also a very strong and ferocious spiritual force that is pulling all of those strings to work in perfect harmony with his evil intentions for us. Now, the biblical view about why things happen the way that they do is actually quite balanced. What's not so balanced is a completely secular view of these things. 
to look at any danger that we might face, whether it's, it's terrorism or violence or racism or mass shootings or depression and anxiety, especially among young people, to look at all of those things and, and to assume that all of it has a completely natural and rational explanation. Why are all of those things going on? Well, it's a complex combination of what happened when a person was growing up. Or it's because certain people have oppressed others who are, who are holding power over them for a long period of time, or, or it's social media that is causing all of this. And, and again, yes, might there be some truth in that? Of course. But again, let's not forget that for one minute, that behind all of that, working together with all of that, there are very strong and very dark spiritual forces of evil. But you know, I suppose that shouldn't surprise us. Because a secular world has to look for secular explanations for why things happen the way that they do. What about us? In just a minute, I'm going to tell you all about the armor that God provides us to withstand these spiritual attacks. You're going to hear about a, a shield, a breastplate, a sword, a helmet. And spoiler alert, this armor makes you invincible against all of the devil's attacks. It is the greatest protection for the greatest danger that we possibly can face. And so the question is, why do we so often head out to battle not wearing any? Do we view church as something that, sure, we'll find a way to do, but only if everything else in our life sort of lines up? Or maybe if we do go to church each and every week, even religiously, you might say, do we view it as sort of just another ho-hum experience, just another part of our weekly schedule and routine, instead of the most important 60 minutes of our week deserving all of our attention and all of our focus? Do we find time during our week for just about every activity under the sun, including endless amusement and things like Netflix and social media, and yet we convince ourselves that we are too busy to be spending time in God's Word? Do we spend nearly limitless time and limitless money concerned that maybe one day our children will be able to wear a varsity sports uniform or maybe one day they'll be draped in a Ph.D. graduate gown and yet we show relatively little lack of concern that we send them out into the world dressed head to toe in the full armor of God. I'm guessing that it has nothing to do with that armor. I'm guessing none of us will look at the armor that God provides and think to ourselves, boy, that seems worthless. No, it's instead because we convince ourselves that we are safer than we really are. We ignore, we forget about the spiritual battle that is going on all around us. And so we head out into that battle without any armor on. The safer we think we are, the more danger we are in. And that's why what we need for this battle is, yes, a little bit of a wake-up call every now and then, but more than that. We need someone who can not make us stronger for the battle, but someone who can fight it for us. Someone who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil and defeat him on our behalf. And of course, that's what we have in our Savior Jesus. And that's where Paul wants to direct our attention in these verses. Before we go through a few of the specific items of the armor that God provides, we need to spend a minute talking about the single thread that sort of ties them all together. Paul starts out these verses by saying this, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
So the strength of the protection that God provides for us in this battle is found in his and God's mighty power. And the reason that phrase is so important is because Paul has used that exact phrase already once in this letter to the Ephesians. Way back in the very first chapter, he says that God demonstrated his mighty power most completely and most visibly in one specific event, namely Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Why single out that event? Well, talk about a time when the devil was pulling out all of the stops. Talk about a time when the devil was trying to get every single string to vibrate in perfect concert with his evil intentions for the world and for us. And so the devil used Jewish religious leaders who were upset with what Jesus is saying. He pulled together those Gentile political leaders who were more concerned with keeping their job than in seeing that justice is done. He used a close friend's greed to lead Jesus to be, to be able to be betrayed. He used the cowardice of his closest friends who abandoned him at the drop of a hat. He pulled together all of his best schemes. He marshaled all of his best forces together. And there he was, the Son of God, hanging from a cross. So how did God demonstrate his power then? Not by stopping it, by doing something even more powerful than that. By using it, by using all of the, the devil's schemes to pay for the sins of the world, to break the hold that death holds over humanity, and to deal a fatal blow to the devil forever. That's what God's mighty strength looks like, demonstrated most clearly in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And Paul says it's that mighty strength that's sort of like the Kevlar fiber that makes up the full armor of God. You know how Kevlar armor is made, right? Kevlar armor is not made of a, of a single solid material. Instead, Kevlar is a teeny tiny fiber that gets woven together to make a, a helmet or a bulletproof vest. Sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it, to think of fibers protecting us like you're heading out to face bullets and bombs with something that your grandma knitted for you. But Kevlar is so, so strong that its strength to weight ratio is actually five times that of steel. And Paul says that God's mighty strength is what ties all of this armor together. Every square inch of this armor is made from God's mighty strength. So what does that look like? Well, the devil comes along. And he tells us that when it comes to deciding what's right and wrong, what's good and beneficial and lovely and valuable and worth pursuing and, and what's not, we need to look inside of ourselves. We need to follow our hearts and listen to our instincts. That those things are somewhere deep down inside to be discovered and therefore they, they maybe will even change from week to week or hour to hour. God offers us something so much better. He offers us the truth as a belt to be buckled around our waist. He offers us his definition, his objective claim of what's right and wrong and what's good and valuable and lovely and beneficial and worth pursuing in our lives. How strong is that belt of truth? Well, Jesus' resurrection from the dead proves that our God can be trusted and every word of his can be trusted too. The devil comes along and he tells us that our, our worth and value as human beings, that our, our approval needs to come from who we are and what we do. And so in the one moment, he's patting us on the back, 
telling us how great and unique and special we are for all of the things that we've done in our lives, holding before our eyes that perfect picture-perfect image that we can portray to the world around us. And then in the very next second, he's rubbing our noses in all of our sins and all of our failures, assuring us that we don't deserve approval from anyone, certainly not from God. God comes along and offers us something so much better. That that approval that we're after, that, that righteousness that we need is not something we earn, rather it's a free gift. That it's Jesus' kindness, Jesus' love, Jesus' strength, determination, and resolve that is woven together to make a breastplate of righteousness that protects us from any accusation of the devil. How strong is that breastplate? Well, Jesus' resurrection is proof that God gave his full approval for Jesus and for all who are covered in him. The devil comes along and he tells us that life ought to be good, that life ought to be fun, that if anything is unpleasant or painful, we should run away from it as fast as we can. But then God comes along and he tells us that no struggle and suffering are not only an inevitable part of life, but a necessary part of life. But rather than trying to make this life a perfect paradise, he points our eyes to the paradise to come. One where there will not be a temporary, manufactured, hollow happiness that we make up for ourselves, but one where there will be unimaginable joy for all eternity. That, that salvation is the helmet that we can put on our heads. How strong is that helmet? Jesus' resurrection is the proof that just as Jesus rose from the dead, so shall we. Those are just three pieces of the full armor of God, but I think you're starting to get the point. It's Jesus' resurrection as the demonstration of God's mighty power that, that infuses every square inch of it. You know, there's an old phrase, I'm sure you've heard it before. Never bring a knife to a gunfight. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about how this spiritual battle that we are caught up in is very much a, a gunfight. The devil is, in fact, playing for keeps, and he will not stop until he has our soul with him in hell forever. This is very much a gunfight, but thankfully, in the full armor of God, God has provided us with the very gun that we need for that gunfight, the greatest protection for the greatest danger that we face. And so rather than foolishly thinking that we are safe and thereby putting ourselves in danger, instead put on the full armor of God, friends. And even though you are and will continue to be completely surrounded by danger, almost unimaginable, you can't possibly be safer. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.